Bom dia. Hope everyone's having a great day. It is uh, September 8th. It's a good friend, A.A. Ron. Hold on, let's run that back. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Chew the Bible. Bom dia. It's your good friend, A.A. Ron. It is 6.37 in the morning, and we're getting this thing rolling. Man. I have been trying to get my day started again, back on that track of getting started by six. I really want to get to a point where I'm like out the door at four. We ain't there yet. Like every day we out the door at four, doing something, doing chew the Bible, out here making his money. Like I want to get to a point where I'm out the door by four. That's my goal every single day. Just retraining my brain to force myself to be more of a morning person. So, but that is going to require me to start going to bed by like, (laughs) I'm about to start being in bed by like nine o'clock, y'all, for real. People will be like, why are you going to bed so early? Because I got to be out the door by four. That's going to be my thing. Like, sorry, I can't, I can't go to that. I got to be out the door by four. So anyway, all right. Today is, uh. Yeah, once you go to say yeah, it's the eighth. Say it's September eighth. That's a day. Eight is the number of new beginnings. So I'm believing for some new beginnings in every area of my life. New beginnings in work wise, meaning how yeah, how I make money consistently. New beginnings with my relationships, specifically with a nice tenderoni. Uh, who doesn't mind making plates and uh, that don't have rice aroni on it. I don't eat rice aroni, just so you know. Uh, <laughs> I'm just being goofy. All right, uh, anything else? Nah, all right, let's get started. I'm packing this with a lot of fluff to start off. Uh, let's get, let's read a psalm real quick. Since it says the eighth, let's read from Psalm 8 and pray through it. We can read the whole thing because it's only nine verses, only nine verses. So here we go. Lord, our Lord, not just any Lord, our Lord, how magnificent is your name throughout the earth? We actually sang a song when I was in the gospel choir. I'm going to sing it. It went. uh, Yeah. When I was at Truman, unique shout out to unique ensemble gospel choir. I don't know if it's still going, but it went Oh, Lord, oh, Lord, our God, how majestic is thy name. Oh, Lord, oh, Lord, our God, how majestic is thy name. In all the earth, there is none like you. There is none like you in all the earth. I used to love that song. And then go, I will exalt your name. That was like the, the baseball part. Anyway, all right. Lord, our Lord. How magnificent is your name throughout the earth. You have covered the heavens with your majesty from the mouths of infants and nursing babies. You have established a stronghold on account of your adversaries in order to silence the enemy and the Avenger. That's interesting to talk about the Avenger. Remember, we talked about the Avenger in. uh, What was it? What in? Yeah. What are Deuteronomy? The Avenger of Blood, like if you kill somebody accidentally, like and their family will come to take you out. And you gotta go to a sanctuary town or whatever. Sanctuary city. 
Oh, that's my brother messenger me. All right. Verse three. When I observe your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you set in place, what is a human being that you remember him, a son of man that you look after him? You made him little less than God and crowned him with glory and honor. You made him ruler over the works of your hands. You put everything under his feet, all the sheep and oxen, as well as the animals in the wild, the birds of the sky and the fish of the sea that pass through the currents of the seas. I believe he's. Uh... Yay. I'm going to read this part. I love it. The Tony Evans, he says, this means that though we are reduced in, it says, uh, a little less than God and crowned with glory and honor. This means that though we are reduced in size in comparison to God, we are, we are increased in significance in relationship to him. Hmm. Hmm. Yep, you put everything under his feet, all the sheep and oxen, as well as the animals in the wild, the birds of the sky and the fish of the sea that pass through the currents of the seas. Lord, our Lord, how magnificent is your name throughout the earth. I love how it starts out with that and then ends with that, closes. It's beautiful. I'm going to say something real quick, real quick. I got a quick story. I might have shared it already, but I'll say it again. So this lady at our church, right? Uh at a recent prayer meeting she was talking about these uh chickens her and her husband her and her husband went were in arkansas or something like that and they were at this auction and they were auctioning off chickens and there's one particular chicken didn't look like there was anything special about this chicken and uh but all of a sudden, they start saying fifty dollars. I can't. I'm not a big auctioneer. I don't do all that. Uh, I love people that can. Yeah, can I get three hundred? Can I get four hundred? Can I get five hundred? Can I get six hundred? Can I eight hundred? I don't hear nine hundred. I hear one thousand. She said something about eventually that chicken. They were shocked. Like, what's so special about this chicken? She didn't think it was going to go for that much. I think she said it went for about fourteen or fifteen hundred dollars. And the reason why it went for such a high price was because of the DNA of that chicken. Because what a, what did chickens do? They lay eggs. And so, yeah, something about this chicken could not go. I don't think it laid golden eggs. I'd be cool if it did. But something about this chicken, it had the it the, it laid a lot of eggs. It was a high productive highly productive chicken and i say that to say some of us are walking around here easily forgetting that we have the dna is better than that chicken we have the dna of jesus christ on the inside of us once we are born again we accept jesus into our heart and we're never the same so and we we can we have the potential to be highly productive in reproducing ourselves and laying eggs that turn into either more chickens or providing uh which people can eat or uh providing eggs for people to eat or yeah more chicken to actually yeah repro and it's crazy because the chicken eventually is gonna die 
I don't know. I've been thinking about death a lot and just how even that story was one more. I'm I'm kind of rambling. What was the story about the? Uh, I was just sharing that one too. How all these animals came to breakfast, and the chicken said it will provide an egg. The cow said it will provide the milk, and then the pig. They looked at the pig and like, what were you going to provide? <laughs> And the pig was like, I'm the one that's making the biggest sacrifice. So I'm about to give up my life for the bacon. Or something like that. I'm probably getting the whole thing wrong. But my whole point is all of us, like Jesus made the ultimate sacrifice in laying down his life. And every day God requires us or desires for us to do the same thing. Lay our lives down to be a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to him. I still struggle in that area because there's a lot of areas where I'm like, no, Lord, I've gone this far. I don't want to completely die. I, you know, I'll give you a little bit. But anyway, I'm wrestling with that that right now. Because we all have, we wake up in the morning, we all have our own agendas and things we want to do. I will say that's the cool thing about doing this delivery stuff is I can at least be flexible to like, if I feel like the Holy Spirit is leading me to like stop driving and just spend a whole day in this prayer or stop driving to go help somebody, like, or whatever. Um, within reason, you know, because child support don't sleep. Like, knowing how to have those boundaries, but also being flexible to when the Holy Spirit is leading you to do something that's out of your normal day. I can do it. So, all right. Now that we've used 10 minutes of this uh, podcast on some great stuff i hope i hope you enjoy that we are in uh judges 17 this is a quick recap in judges 16 delilah delilah nagged mr uh samson just like his first wife you would think you had learned learned his lesson he yeah he he found a woman just like his first wife (laughs) who liked to nag and she nagged him about finding out the secret to what, where he gets his strength because she was solicited by the uh, Philistines, paid off with, what, 13, how many, 1,100, how many shekels of silver? 1,000, yeah, 1,100, 1,100 pieces of silver. I don't know what the significance of that is, but yeah. She was paid 1,100 pieces of silver to trap this man. And yeah, eventually he told her the secret about his hair. He laid his head in her head and she cut his locks off. Seven seven braids, significant seven braids. And so anyway, yeah, he gets tied up. They take him. Uh, The Philistines bind him up ties him to a pole some poles that he has to be yeah they gouge his eyes out and uh but yeah the cool thing is god got then they and then they they were these philistines who had the nerve to worship dagon and the, yeah their little guy their little g thinking that was the reason why they were able to capture uh that he's the one who helped them capture uh samson and but guy had the last laugh the big god had the last laugh and Samson, it says, killed more Philistines. How many? He killed 3,000 men and women. Yeah. 
over 3,000 men and women Philistines. So he killed more Philistines while he was in his death than he did in his and uh, while he was alive. So it's the cool thing about that is like a foreshadowing to Jesus because <clears throat> Jesus, he defeated the enemy. Good morning. Encourage. How you doing? He defeated the enemy uh, in his death, took the keys to Hades, took out the yeah, destroyed the law and sin of sin and death. And from that point, point four, yeah, he sacrificed his life so that many. Yeah, he, he sacrificed his life in his death. And so, yeah, it's kind of Samson is kind of a foreshadowing to Jesus in a way, if you think about it. So you can see some parallels there. All right. We're in Judges 17. Micah's priest. Thank goodness this is only 13 verses because I've used up a lot of time already. All right. There was a man from the hill country of Ephraim named Micah. He said to his mother, the 1100 pieces of silver taken from you and that the yeah, he said to his mother, the 1100 pieces of silver taken from you and that I heard you place a curse on what? The 1100 pieces of silver taken from you and that I heard you place a curse on. Here's the silver silver. I took I took it. This is a really written sentence. My bad. Uh, I'm struggling to read today. Some of y'all be like, you struggle to read every day, maybe. All right. Then his mother said, I should have read some more tip books and Dr. Seuss when I was younger. All right. Then his mother said, my son, may you be blessed by the Lord. It's interesting that that number, 1,100 pieces of silver, that's the amount that Delilah was paid. It's interesting, too, that they stopped. I think we hear more about Delilah later, but, yeah, they don't really say much. I think she comes back later. We'll see. The amount, the amount Delilah was paid, eleven hundred. All right, he returned the eleven hundred pieces of silver to his mother, and his mother said, "I personally consecrate the silver, the silver to the Lord, my, for my son's benefit, to make a carved image in his silver idol." This doesn't sound good. I will give it back to you. So he returned the silver to his mother, and she took five pounds of silver and gave it to a silversmith. He made it into a carved image in a silver idol and it was in Micah's house why verse 5 this man Micah had a shrine and he made an ephod and household idols and installed one of his sons to be his priest in those days there was no king in Israel everyone did whatever seemed bright to him Hmm, that don't sound good there was a young man, a Levite from Bethlehem in Judah, who was staying within the clan of Judah. The man left the town of Bethlehem in Judah to stay wherever he could find a place. On his way, he came to Micah's home in the hill country of Ephraim. Where do you come from? Micah asked. He answered him, I'm a Levite from Bethlehem in Judah, and I'm going to stay wherever I can find a place. Micah replied, stay with me and be my father's father. Be my father and priest. I will give you four ounces of silver a, a year 
along with your clothing and provisions. So the Levite went in and agreed to stay with the man, and the young man became like one of his sons. Be my father. This is a weird request. A young man, a Levite from Bethlehem in Judah, who was staying with the clan of Judah. The man left the town of Bethlehem in Judah to stay wherever he could find a place. This sounds a lot like this might be another Christophany. <laughs> this dude don't have a name. It says he was from Bethlehem, a Levite from Bethlehem in Judah. All right, let's keep reading. So the Levite went in and agreed to stay with the man, and the young man became like one of his sons. Hmm. Michael consecrated. No, it's interesting, though, because it says... Stay with me and be my f and stay with me and be my father and priest. Why does it say the young man? Because there was a young man. This dude is referred to as a young man. This guy, whoever this is, that has no name, the nameless man. So is he saying this nameless man became like, yeah, it sounds like it's a weird. I'm, I'm struggling with this because it says stay with me and, and, and stay with me and be my father and priest. That's what Micah is saying. To this guy, this stranger. And then it says, so the the Levite went in and agreed to stay with the man and the young man became like one of his sons. This is really strange because the wording it make it it sounds in the beginning it sounds like he's going to be this stranger is going to be the request is that he'll be his father the stranger will be the father to Micah but then it says then the young man became like one of his sons who's the young man is the young man all right Micah consecrated the Levite and the young man became his priest and lived in Micah's house. Maybe when he uses that word father, it's kind of like our modern day use of the word father for Catholic priests. I don't know. I'm confused here. Then Micah said, now I know that the Lord will be good to me because a Levite has become my priest. Now I know the Lord will be good to me. Interesting. All right. We're about to see if Tony Evans has some details on this. Micah stole from his own mother. I got a story about that real quick. I got to share it. I can't, I can't pass it up real fast. So there was this young, young lady I was dating, you know, puppy love middle school. I mean, not middle school, elementary school, third grade. Her name was, should I say her full name? I ain't going to say her last name, but her, let's say her first name was Courtney with a C. And Courtney and I, yeah, we're dating. Yeah. In third grade ish. I think it was like third grade. And are going together. What do you want to call it? 
And yeah, I had I was I was fiending, crushing crushing on Courtney. And for some reason I got this crazy idea. I don't know where this came from, but I figured, you know, when you date somebody, you give them a ring. I don't know if I'm watching TV or movies or if you're serious about somebody, you give them some jewelry, right? You know, I was romantic at a young age. I was I was I was smooth with it. And, you know, thinking of ways to make this young lady happy. So I was like, hmm, where am I going to get a ring? I don't make enough money through allowance. And yeah, rings are expensive. I was like, hmm, mom has a lot of rings. So what is what does an eight year old do when he doesn't know what else to do (laughs) to find a ring for his boo? He goes in his mom's room, jacks her ring. And it and uh yeah gives it to his young girl Tenderoni, eight year old Tenderoni, and uh named Courtney. And so uh yeah, one day mom is like, I don't know, my mom's freaking out. She's like, Where's my ring? Where's my apparently this ring was my mom's engagement ring. It was the ring my dad gave her when they first got engaged, it was, I was like, I was like, this is colorful. It's not like a white diamond. It was like a, it was a beautiful, like purple ring with like little diamonds on the outside. I think it was a nice ring, but it wasn't like, I think it was like a wedding ring. I don't know. Somehow as a kid, I could tell the difference between a wedding ring and a ring that didn't look as important. I should have just got Courtney a ring pop or a Jack in the box ring or whatever. But yeah, so, uh, yeah, mom was freaking out. I was like, oh, crap, oh, crap, oh, crap. I didn't know this ring was so special. She started asking us, I believe, yeah, my brother and I, what happened to our ring? And I, I'm playing dumb, like, Aroo. like yeah, Scooby-Doo. Aroo. And uh, I promise I'm about to end this story. I have a way of taking a simple story and making it longer. But, yeah. All these people are coming into work now. So, yeah, I end up. Uh, I was like, how am I get her this ring back? So I got the oh, I had to go back to Courtney. But hey, uh, that's my mama's ring. <laughs> that's my mama's ring. I got I, I need that back. Somehow she gave it back to me. I, I can't remember she was wearing it at school. Somehow I was able to get this ring back that had to be worth at least $1,000 probably. I don't know. It was a nice, expensive ring. And then I pretended as though uh, it, I put it underneath, like, the carpet rug in our in our house. And then one day it was like, hey, Mom, I found your ring. It was under the carpet. <laughs> And I, I'm pretty sure she probably knew. Hey, that's strange. How did that happen? So, yeah, that's my crazy story about Courtney, the young eight-year-old Tenderoni from elementary school who I stole my mama's ring to give to her. All right. Let's finish up this. These uh, Tony Evans nuts. Micah stole from his own mother. He only when he heard her curse the silver so that it would fail to be an inv- 
only when he heard her curse the silver so that it would fail to be an advantage to whoever stole it, did he return her money. At his admission, his mother said, I personally consecrate the silver to the Lord, my son's for my son's benefit to make a silver idol. Clearly, we have problems here. The Lord had commanded Israel, do not make an idol for yourself. Exodus 24. Exodus 20, verse 4. The woman's blatant double-mindedness is just what we would expect to de would expect to develop in a culture that tries to blend the worship of the true God with the wor world's pagan pagan ways. Let me say it again. I'm once again struggling to read this morning. The woman's blatant double-mindedness. The woman's blatant double-mindedness is just what we would expect to develop in a culture that tries to blend the worship of the true God with the world's pagan ways. I'm actually struggling with this myself because I was listening to, I finally listened to the Kanye West Donda album. And there's some cool tracks on there. But my like spidey Christian uh senses the one the same ones i had because i grew up or watched all them g craig lewis uh ex ministry videos and yeah exposing a lot of like hip-hop and and just the way the devil is deceptive in uh through music and there's a scripture that talks about how even satan knows how to transform himself into an angel of light so that he appears to be yeah holy or whatever but he, in in these different various ways but he you know is not and i don't know something about there's some cool songs there i don't know but something about especially this latest album doesn't sit right so i'm, I'm gonna keep praying about it and be like lord is this just my religious or you know fear or whatever that's causing me to I feel that way a lot about a lot of Christian rap, not just Kanye's new album, but like rap in general is a very prideful like type of art form, meaning like you have to kind of carry a, a scent. You carry you like walk differently, act differently if you're a rapper, like not saying you can't be a Christian and a rapper, but it's a it's really meant for entertainment at the end of the day. More so than like glorifying God and. You know, the scripture talks about how Ecclesiastes talks about there's a time for everything. At the end of the day, there's a time for everything, you know, a time to sleep, a time to dance, a time to mourn, a time to whatever. There's a time to rap. There's a time to worship. And there's a reason why we don't rap in church services usually or I don't know, something about when I'm worshiping music, playing worship music, there's a whole different spirit behind it, you know? Like, I really feel like God is getting the glory. Just like that psalm I read earlier. Oh, Lord, oh, Lord, how majestic is your name? Um, but see, that's a whole debate you can have about. Is there such thing as a holy, holy hip hop? Is that possible? And anyway, my whole point is saying is like I've learned you kind of have like a 90 10 principle. Like I try to listen to mostly worship music and like sprinkles of like keep my secular music and any type of like a Christian hip hop kind of or the Kanye album Donda whatever keep that to a minimum 
But it's kind of hard because sometimes like you just in a mood where you just want to vibe out, whatever. And I'm a big music person, especially the R&B. But anyway, that's a topic for another day. My The biggest thing I've learned is like asking myself the question is like, who's getting the glory here? Is this edifying my spirit? And who's getting the glory here when I'm listening to this music? Is God getting the glory or am I getting the glory? Or like, is this rapper getting the glory? And yeah, that that gets complicated. All right. Micah used both an ephod to de- both an ephod to determine God's will and household idols to determine the pagan God's preferences. Then he made one of his own sons his personal priest. Uh, okay, so this he made one of his own sons. So this wasn't this wasn't a Christophany, definitely. So it was one of a son of his, but. There was a stranger. All right. Micah was from the tribe of Ephraim and only Levites could be priests. Thus, this was a further flagrant disregard for God's commands. This is a confusion. I'm trying to still wrap my head around what actually just happened here. The people had completely forgotten that the Lord was to be their king. Instead, everyone followed his own standards, his own God. Priests and Levites were supposed to steer the people away from idolatry toward the worship of God, teaching them right from wrong. See Leviticus 10, 8 through 11 or Ezekiel 44, 23. But during the time period covered in these final five chapters, everyone simply ignored the rules God had given to Moses. Even the Levites were to were complicit in the decline and debauchery. Mm. A young man, a Levite, was looking for a place to stay. Micah invited him to be his personal priest. The Levite agreed. And while only another priest could consecrate a priest... Micah consecrated him. So while Micah was an idolater, the Levite was just as far away from God's standards of holiness in this in in his thinking and practices. Wow. Micah was convinced that having a Levite of his own was a sign of the Lord's blessing, but it most certainly was not. He was living outside God's stated will. That's not a good place to be in. Wow, wow. Yeah, this definitely wasn't no Christophany. This was uh, Micah doing some wild stuff, which, once again, every time I read the Bible, I read these stories about folks, I identify with it because we're all like, yeah, as they say, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. Let's hop on this Romans road of salvation and then get going. Uh, Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Romans 5.8 says, But God demonstrated his love or showed his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Romans 10.9-10 says, That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and will believe in their heart, that God hath raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made 
unto salvation. You can simply say this prayer. Say, Dear God, I know I'm a sinner. I know my sin deserves to be punished. I believe Christ is the Son of God who died for me and rose from the grave. I want to turn from my sin and trust Jesus Christ alone as my Savior. Thank you for the forgiveness and everlasting life I can now have through faith in Jesus. In Jesus' amazing, mighty name I pray. Amen. Romans 10.13 says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, they shall be saved. So, Lord, I just thank you for those that say this prayer now or who are going to say it in the future. Continue to bless them abundantly. Pray that they will walk in the divine destiny that you've called them to. That they would uh, have a confidence and assurance that you have transformed them. And that you are on living on the inside of them. And from this day forward, that they can begin that process of sanctification. The process that you're the one, you're the one who does it. You said, I'm the potter, you're the clay. So I pray you continue to mold them and uh, make them into the beautiful um, creation, new creation that you have um, predestined for them to be. Or you have predetermined before they were even in their mother's womb. And uh, Lord, lastly, I pray that they would uh, have a heart, a desire to be baptized as an outward sign or our demonstration of this new life that they have with you and uh, that you will surround them other Christians and believers that can help sharpen them and help grow them in this newfound faith that they have in you. In Jesus' mighty name, I pray. Amen. All right. Till next time, y'all. Have an amazing day.